As a parish family, these weeks we've been looking at the reality that Easter means victory. Not just Jesus' victory, but as Paul says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at the fact that that has implications for our life. If we really live in that spot, living with the victor, that it, that it has major implications for our lives. Two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that our past does not have to have hold them on us, that Jesus can restore us as he re restored Peter. And last week, we looked at the fact that because Jesus has risen, because he is risen, because he is alive, that God continues to speak and he speaks to us and that we can hear his voice and that living with the victor means that I'm able to discern his voice through thoughts, feelings, and our desires. This week, we're looking at living with the victor means that we live with hope. And our text that we're going to be looking at is our second reading from the book of Revelations, which is the last book in the Bible. And we've been hearing from the book of Revelation these last number of weeks. I just haven't been preaching on it. But before we get to that, we've got to look at the power of hope. What is the, what is the power of hope? And then we can get to Revelation and see how it brings out reversing the irreversible and then lastly something for us to pray for today so first the power of hope one of my favorite movies is shawshank redemption it's a great christian really themes throughout the the movie of vindication of course redemption but no greater theme in shawshank redemption than than hope the story of two main characters one, one is Andy, who's played by Tim Robbins, and Red, who's played by Morgan Freeman. And both these main characters are serving a lifelong sentence because of convicted of murder. And at one point, Andy, who had locked himself into the warden's office, plays this beautiful music throughout the whole prison. And his consequence of that is getting thrown into solitary confinement for two weeks in a, in a dark cell, which by the way is an image of sometimes of what life can be. Darkness can just come and the suffering that was associated to, to Andy in that, in that cell. He gets out and afterwards the inmates ask him, well, how was the time there in, the t in solitary confinement? And Andy tells them it was the easiest time I ever did. And they said, what? And then he goes on to explain that keeping music in, in the, alive in the heart, that he took that music in with him in that solitary confinement, and that it demonstrates that there's something inside that they can't touch. There's something inside that they can't get at. And upon hearing, hearing that, Red turns to him and says, what are you talking about? And Andy says, hope. And then Red, who's been in prison now for 50 years, turns to Andy and says, hope is a dangerous thing. It can drive a man insane. It's got no use inside of a prison. You better get used to that idea. And of course, Andy doesn't listen to that. Andy keeps hope alive. And later on in the movie, there's this one line that sums up the power of hope in just one pithy statement. The whole idea of what hope is and the power of hope, Andy says this, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Either get busy living or get busy dying. Either live with hope or die without hope. When one loses hope, you've already begun the dying process. 
And so here you have two identical circumstances, two men who are in the exact same circumstances, serving lifelong sentences here in prison. And yet their experience of that identical, of those identical circumstances are radically different because of hope. Because their hopes about the future are different, they are able to, they experience, their experience of the current circumstances are radically different. Our belief about the future radically shapes how we experience the present. That's the power of hope. And if the resurrection of Christ happened, then we have a choice. We can either get busy living with the victor or get busy dying in that face down, maybe spot that we have, that we talked about the image we've been using the last couple of weeks of that player face down on the floor. And those moments of being face down on the floor can come and grab us because life is filled with suffering. The human condition has is tragic. And if one is experiencing the current circumstances of the suffering of the tragedies of life without hope, it can be completely suffocating. Which brings us to our text today, the book of Revelation, and brings us to the reversal of the irreversible. You remember last week we talked about the fact, the difference between sometimes, the difference between victory and defeat can be razor thin. That game between Houston and Michigan, if that ball was maybe one millimeter the other way, Houston would have won, Michigan would have lost. But here's the thing about victory and defeat. There is no what if. Like the outcome of that game doesn't change. A loss is a loss. You can't change the outcome of the game. There's a finality to it of that player face down on the floor who've lost the game. Now that's a silly, that's, an, that's a silly game. It's a silly game, but what it is, it's an image. It's an image of what life is or what life seemingly is about. And that is the irreversibility of life. When things are gone, they're gone. When someone who's young gets old, their youth is gone. It's gone. When people die in, in the last three days, again, two more cases of over people with their loved ones around their deathbed, when we lose someone, they're gone, we lose them. The irreversibility of life, and it, and it seems as we get older, we're just more and more aware and attuned of the irretrievable, the, the things of life that we can't retrieve back. And the, the loss of that can be, it can suck the joy right out of us and be suffocating. And yet, what the resurrection is, what the resurrection is, it's not just a consolation of the things that we've lost. The resurrection is a restoration of things that we've lost. The resurrection says you don't just get your body back when you die. It's that you get the body that you always wanted, that you never had. Somebody who's born crippled, no legs. And then to say, I'll never know what it's like to walk. I'll never know what it's like, what it feels like to run around. 
The resurrection says you will miss nothing. The resurrection says you don't just get your life back, you get the life that you always wanted. I know that there's people who, 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 have, who are older, who've longed to be married, who've longed to have kids, but because some faithful women who've longed to be married, but they remain faithful and they haven't lowered the bar. And because of that, they've never gotten married and they'll never have kids. Are they to say, I'll never know what it's like to the joy of marriage, the joy to have kids. The resurrection says you will miss nothing in the end. That isn't to negate the suffering and the pain that is associated with that loss in the here and now. But the resurrection says you, at the end, you will miss nothing. And one can endure then the current circumstances, granted the tragedy, granted the pain, granted the, suffi the, 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 the suffering, but my, my future hope can impact how I see and live the current circumstances. In the book of Revelation here, we're in the second to last chapter of the entire Bible, and John's talking about this vision that he's got of the end of times. And sometimes when we think of the end of times, we think of this, this new celestial realm, realm out there that's gonna be there at the end of times. But that's not quite the biblical perspective. John talks about here, he says, then I saw, this is the image of John, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old has passed away, the new has come, and there's a new creation, a restoration of the new heavens and the new earth. And he goes on to say, every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more pain, no more crying, no more suffering, no more death. And then he gets the image of he sees the slain, the slain lamb sitting on the throne and the slain lands, lamb sitting on the throne cries out, I make all things new. That it with, because of the resurrection and because it happened, we miss nothing. That's living with hope. That is, I can face the suffering. Paul elsewhere in his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul refuses to lose heart. He will not give into the temptation to slip into despair because he knows if I slip into, despair, slip into despair in the midst of the suffering, of course, that he's got, that's going on, he refuses to slip in that spot because he knows then it will just get busy dying, that death will already have begun to go. And he knows that in a spot of despair, in the darkness, not only does his life get worse, but the life of everyone around him gets worse. So he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Because he has a hope of the future. And it allows him to experience the circumstances, the present differently. The Christian framework is one in which knows that no sorrow is wasted. And yet, in fact, it's the very way forward through the death, through death, through suffering, knowing that resurrection is there because he makes all things new. Which brings me lastly here for a prayer for us to make. Hope is a theological virtue along with faith and love. That is to say, 
Hope is not something that we can just muster up on our own and say, I'm going to have more faith. But hope is a theological virtue. That is to say that they are infused by God. They're gifts from God. Hope is a gift from God. And so Jesus is saying to each one of us today, ask for hope. Pray for hope. Ask me for it. Where do you this morning, where do I this morning need hope to be pumped into my heart? Where might you have that disposition of lying on the floor face down, riddled with hopelessness? Maybe it's, maybe it's I, need, I need hope that I can change. Maybe I've been battling too long with this thought that I can't change here in this area of my life. That's not thinking in terms with living with the victor. It's not thinking in terms of the resurrection. The, the, because of the resurrection happened, I can change. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm here this morning and I need, I need hope for a better future. That's living with a victor. Maybe, maybe I'm here this morning, I'm just facing the seemingly irreversibility of life and the loss that's associated with life. Lord, you promised to make all things new transcend the suffering that I can endure it and press forward and have hope. To all of us today, Jesus is saying, experience my victory. Discover that the resurrection changes everything in your life and in mine. He promises that there is a future full of hope, that you will miss nothing in the end. Lord, give me hope. And maybe for some of us, it's even, Lord, I'm asking that you pick me off the floor this morning because I've been laying down on the floor face down for some time. I'm asking, Lord, that you come up and pick me off the floor and help me begin to live with the victor, to live with you. Help me to know who you are. Help me to know your promises. Help me to know more and more what it is that you've done for me and the victory you've won for me. So choose again today, and it's ultimately every day, it's our choice. In the midst of loss, in the midst of suffering, the choice is this, to either get busy dying or get busy living with the victor.